and good news is the kingdom of God. And if the kingdom of God is not good news, then I would offer you today that it is not the kingdom of God. Hey, this is Taylor and welcome back to Elevate Retake. We want you to experience faith as the continual everyday process of learning more about the Bible, ourselves, and God. And we believe that this podcast will be just what you need to come to a closer relationship with God. Pastor Michael is back this week to finish up our look at Luke 8. So the title for this episode is The Sending and your engaged question is what do we do now? A key passage we will be looking at is found in Luke 9, verse 1 through 2, and it reads, One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. A key theme we will be looking at is God's biddings are his enablings. Well, welcome home where there's always room for one more. Glad you're here this morning. Are you glad you're here this morning? Yes, I got some energy today. Thank you, praise team, for taking us before the throne of God. You feel like you're there? In the presence of the Holy Spirit. Question was asked a moment ago by Danny and Maria. What do we do now? We live in interesting times. I don't have to tell you that in a couple of days, there'll be some people that are very happy in this country and some people that are very sad. But what do we do now? It's the question that we're going to be looking at today. So I invite you for one more moment to bow your heads with me as we pray before we open scripture. God of the universe, God who created the world, Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. As we feel as if we are on the cusp of crisis, maybe we're in the midst of it right now. We're asking ourselves the question, what do we do now? God, I pray that you show up in a very specific way today for each and every one of us. God, thank you for your good, your holy, and you're still on the throne. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 9. We're going to be in the very first verses of Luke chapter 9. And if you've been with us for the past couple weeks or if you've been listening to the last couple episodes in our podcast, you, you have been journeying with us through Luke chapter 8. We've been looking at four very specific instances that Jesus leads his disciples through crisis. And if I were to play maybe a practical joke on all of Christianity. I think the best thing that could happen to Christianity and to those of us who study the Bible, that if in the snap of a finger, all of our chapter and verse markings would disappear. We can keep the, we can keep the names of the books, you know, so we can kind of keep those in order. But often in Scripture, we kind of dichotomize and set things apart that, oh, Luke 9 is a different chapter than Luke 8, and so it must not be connected. But when Luke was sitting down to write his gospel, he didn't finish Luke 8 and say, okay, now it's time to write chapter 9. He just continued to write the story of Jesus. And so we can't stop with the finish of Luke 8 because it comes to culmination in the first few verses of Luke chapter 9. And this is what happened in Luke chapter 9. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples. 
gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I want to pause right there for a moment in those first couple of verses. Does, is there any language here that sounds familiar to you from what we've been studying for the past couple weeks? Demons, healings. Last week, Pastor James talked to you about healings and how sometimes we have to wait on God, but our waiting sometimes is even better than receiving immediately. A couple weeks ago, we saw how Jesus cast out demons and he brings true freedom from anything in our lives. Three weeks ago, we saw how Jesus calmed the storm. And it's interesting, at this point in Scripture, Jesus then turns to his disciples. They've gone from crisis to crisis to crisis, and now Jesus turns to them and says, here's power and authority over demons, power and authority to heal diseases. Now here's what I need you to do. I need you to go out, tell everyone about the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. Jesus, in this moment, is giving them the keys to the kingdom. Now, I don't know if you, for those of you who think back, it might be more recent for some of you than others, to the very first time that you drove a vehicular device on a street, legally. <laughs> I remember the first time I had gotten my, my driver's permit, I think I was 16 or 17 at the time, and I had been going through driving school, and, uh, you know, doing all the classes and everything, you watch the gory videos of, like, people laying out on the, on the street and this, don't text, don't drive, don't drink, don't drive, that whole thing. And I'd gotten my permit, was ready to drive on the road, and I was, you know, I, I don't know when this is going to happen. So one morning, wake up, getting ready for school, and uh, my dad would, would take me to, to school at the time. And uh, he has, as we're walking into the garage where the truck is parked, he says, you got your permit? I was like, what? He's <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, well, here you go hands me the keys of the truck. And that moment, I paused for a moment because I'm, I'm the one that's going to have to get us from our house to school now. I'm not just kind of along for the ride here. I, I'm the one that's kind of, I'm not kind of, I'm stepping into the driver's seat. And I remember backing out of the garage. We normally listen to the radio in the morning. Uh, and for those of you that are just learning to drive, you've got to have everything completely quiet, right? You can't, you can't see down the road because the radio's playing, Yeah. And I remember having to be like, oh, I got to turn, to turn the radio down. Let's just, you know, 10 and 2 and let's white knuckle this down. But uh, I never looked back. been driving ever since and it's been fantastic. But think in that moment when you've been handed the keys, adrenaline starts to pump a little bit and now you're the one who's driving. You're the one who's now telling others about the kingdom of God and healing the sick. You've seen Jesus do it. He's calmed the storm. He's cast out demons. He's healed people. And now he turns to you. By the way, he's raised someone from the dead as well. And he turns to his disciples. He says, here's the keys. Why don't you take this for a test drive? But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't give the disciples keys to a Maserati. This ain't no Lamborghini. Let's look at what he tells them in verse 3 of chapter 9 in Luke. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned these people to their fate. Ouch. This journey wasn't going to be easy. 
Jesus gives the disciples the beater car, the one that's got rust kind of forming a little bit. It's barely making it, but you know, it's like, oh, it's just 175,000 miles, but it's just broken in. Jesus tells his disciples, here's how you're going to go about telling people about the kingdom of God and about healing the sick. See, Jesus needed the disciples to have total commitment to the mission and to the calling. So he says, take and leave everything behind because the baggage that you carry with you, the resources that you think that you're going to need on this journey will only get in the way of you telling other people about me. No material possessions. Oh, and by the way, he levels the playing field because there's nothing that qualified the disciples for the call. They literally have the shirts on their backs, and Jesus says, go. You don't need to wear a bow tie and stand up on a stage at Elevate to tell other people about Jesus. That just happens to be my calling. But I look into your faces, at least half of your faces. You've got beautiful eyes this morning, by the way. I don't know if anybody has told you that. You've got beautiful eyes. A couple people agree in the front. You guys got it. Jesus has called each and every one of us, wherever we go, to tell about the kingdom of God and to bring healing. Now, before we run out in declaring like faith healings and like demons be cast down, this and that, the other thing, Jesus calls us today that in everything that we do, treating others in love, which brings healing and reconciliation in an incredibly beautiful way that sometimes runs deeper than just simple physical healing. This new assignment that the disciples on was going to be difficult. The crisis that they had experienced before, from the storms to the demons to the healings, had prepared them for this new adventure. Jesus says, you don't need all this extra stuff. All I need is you. You don't have to have yourself put together. In fact, I need you to lay most of yourself down all of yourself down and simply follow me. I just need you. I don't need your stuff. That's a word this morning someone needed to hear. Jesus says, I just need your feet, I just need your hands, and I need your voice, and I need your willingness to go. But we're facing a crisis point, right? Maybe in our personal lives, maybe as a nation, and it could become so overwhelming that how can I be facing a crisis right now, and you're telling me that I'm supposed to tell other people about the kingdom of God. Well, Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians. Look at the first couple of verses of it, starting in verse 3. He says this, speaking to the Corinthians, he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles, all our crises, so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. He continues on in the next verses. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Isn't that seem a little mixed up backwards sometimes that the more we suffer, the more we get comforted? And there's some of us here like, sweet, I'm going to run into the suffering so I get more comfort. Not exactly how that one works. But the more crises that we face, the more suffering that we have in our life, the more challenging our lives are on a daily basis, the more grace is extended to us from the throne of God. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, Paul continues on, it is for your comfort and salvation. 
For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. Paul makes the point here that the crises that you've gone through, the difficult suffering that you've experienced in your life, as you have found the comfort and the grace in Jesus, you can extend that to someone else who's suffering. Because it not it true that this morning we could think about the crises that we've experienced very recently and think about people in our lives who have brought the comfort of Jesus. Jesus bids us to go and to do the same. In this balance of crisis versus faith, the disciples are now not necessarily in a physical crisis, but in a crisis of faith. Will they trust Jesus? The one who brings comfort to the crisis. And I think Jesus had it before Yoda did, but Yoda put it well. Do or do not, there is no try. Jesus invites his disciples into this adventure. And Paul continues this thought, and we cannot miss this, connected to Luke chapter 9. It's in verses 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Paul says, hey, we've had some difficulties over in Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Anybody feel like that right now? Crushed and overwhelmed beyond your ability to endure? There's, those moments come. And then he adds on to it. We thought we would never live through it. You might be here this morning thinking, this is what I'm facing right now. I can't possibly live through this. In fact, Paul says in verse 9, we expected to die. God, you called me to Southwestern, but this is going to kill me. God, this new job that you've asked me to take on, this is just going to totally leave me in ruins. God, this pulling on my heart that you've asked me to follow me, it's going to completely destroy me. But Paul finishes, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. And by the way, this God raises the dead, so it doesn't matter if anything destroys you in this life. God's got your back. This God that we serve, who's been with us through crisis after crisis, that we come to a crazy marker in the history of the United States. Let me offer you this. Come Tuesday night or whenever we find out who's elected the president of the United States, It doesn't matter either way because God has our back. It does not matter either way because God has our back. The principalities of this world will let us down. The kings of this world will let us down. The leaders of this world will let us down. But Jesus will never let us down. And I don't know about you, but I want to place my faith in Jesus who raises people from the dead than some leader who sits in Washington. So the invitation Jesus offers to his disciples. Bob Goff puts it this way in a book called Love Does, page 136. The disciples saw joy and suffering, triumph and tragedy, and in the end, there was just a man, an idea, and an invitation without a whole lot of details. The disciples were unschooled and ordinary like all of us. Praise be. Anybody relate with that? He continues on. Yet they didn't need all of the details because they were on an adventure with a father who wanted to take them. You don't need to know everything when you're with someone you trust. Let that settle in for just a moment. 
You don't need to know who wins on Tuesday night when you're with someone you trust. You don't need to know how 2021 is going to treat you when you're with someone you trust. You don't need to know how your school bill is going to be paid for when you're with the one you trust. Can I get a witness this morning? Bob Goff continues on. The kind of adventure Jesus has invited us on doesn't require an application or prerequisites. Actually, Jesus says, set all those things aside, right? He says, you don't need to take anything with you on this journey. It's just about deciding to take up the offer made by a father who wants us to come. That's the invitation Jesus extends to us every single day. And that's what he extended to the disciples in Luke chapter 9. But maybe you're in the in-between right now. Maybe you're in that moment of, do I trust Jesus? Can I lay my trust completely, 100% in the man Jesus? If that's you this morning, I offer you this. The kind of adventure Jesus has invited you on, it doesn't require that application or prerequisite. It's just about deciding to take up that offer. And here's the thing. When we're working with Jesus, we are a hundred times, a thousand times, a million times more efficient than doing things on our own. We find ourselves beat up, worn out, worn down by the way of this world. Jesus is the one that comes beside us. He's going to challenge you. He's going to get a hold of your heart. He's going to make you think about some things. But one day with Jesus is better than a thousand days somewhere else. So here's the disciples' response. Luke chapter 9, verse 6. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. Jesus says, I need you to go, and the disciples went. No ands, ifs, or buts. And if Luke, or if the disciples mention any, Luke doesn't mention them in the text here. Jesus simply says, here's what I need you to do, and the disciples go. And here's the power of the message. Luke finishes this pericope or this section of scripture saying that the disciples were to preach the good news and to heal the sick. Earlier in verse 2, he says that Jesus told them to tell about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And if we pull those two passages together, we can understand that the kingdom of God is good news. And good news is the kingdom of God. And if the kingdom of God is not good news then I would offer you today that it is not the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is all about love for our neighbor. It's good news to everyone that we come in contact with. We can lose sight of that message, unfortunately. We can get get caught up in politics and methodologies. But the kingdom of God is unequivocally defined by other-centered love. Proclaim the good news, proclaim the kingdom of God, and heal the sick. The kingdom of God is completely inseparable from care for our neighbor. And here's the thing. Jesus in the Gospels heals more people than he preaches sermons. He hangs out and has more conversations with people than he does standing up on a stage in front of an audience and breaking the word of God from a lot of people. Jesus' miracles... The healings that he performed, the demons that he cast out, those testify to the truth of his words. So that all he had to do was act. 
and not speak, and people were turned towards him. And that made his words even more strong. They were a vital current diffusing life and joy wherever he went. The love of Christ manifest in unselfish ministry will be more effective in reforming the evildoer than will the sword or the court of justice. And I invite you today to err on the side of love, err on the side of grace. Jesus says, go out and preach the kingdom of God. By the way, you can't just do that. You've got to be about the health and well-being of the people around you. There's a person who's come to the forefront of our history. Most recently, died in 2003. You can remember when his face was on the cover of the newspaper. Anybody been to the hood? Mr. Rogers' neighborhood? Here's what he said. Look for the helpers. If you look for the helpers, you know there is And I think Jesus said it a whole lot earlier than Mr. Rogers did. But sometimes Mr. Rogers helps us understand the words of Jesus. And what Jesus is trying to help the disciples understand is that you need to be a helper. You need to be a person that's going around spreading the kingdom love of Jesus. Seeking the health and the well-being of the person sitting next to you. You may not have the ability to lay hands on someone and they are completely cleansed from whatever sickness or disease. But what you can do is bring a little bit of light and a little bit of love to their heart. And you can be a healer of their heart. Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. You look for the helpers, you know there is hope. Our world is in need of hope. Aren't we? Seem to be on the cusp of something incredibly good or incredibly bad. And it's trending bad right now. But if we're found on the side of hope, we're found on the side of helping the people around us. So the question still remains, what do we do now? In the face of crises that we've faced this year, or the ones that seem to be impending just around the corner, crisis creates opportunity. Crisis helps us grow. Crisis even gives us strength. And I'd offer to you today that crisis is not the end, but that it's only the beginning. Crises in our lives help bring into and focus what is truly important. And as we band together as a faith community, as a family, we're all in this together. We're all facing this together can look at the person sitting to your left, sitting to your right, behind you, or in front of you. We're in this together, guys. And what Jesus calls us to do is at this moment in time where it feels like we're at a crisis, to realize that this could be the beginning of something incredible. Maybe this point in history, maybe this is the beginning of the end. Maybe this point in your life is just the beginning that God is trying to pull out. Though you face crisis, may this be the start of an incredible future with Jesus. And may we, as a community, inspire hope in the hopeless. 
What an awesome message. So here's the thing. We have heard from many of you that you want more dialogue and conversation. So starting next week, we will be releasing two episodes per week. And here is what you can expect. On Tuesdays, you will find in your feed a message by Pastor Michael from the last worship service. And then on Thursdays, Michael and I are going to be taking a deeper look at the message. We'll be dissecting ideas and theology in a way that will benefit you. And all of this happens right under this podcast feed. So you don't even have to subscribe to anything else. And along the way, we want to hear your reactions and your thoughts. So send us a message, well, or a voice message by clicking the link in the description. Catch you next week. Thank you for listening. Elevate Retake is recorded weekly at Elevate, a community fellowship of Keene Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder. Sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our host is Taylor Weaver. Our team includes Evelyn Alanis, Candice McCormick, Simu Ciologa, Alethia Galvan, Emily Weaver, Zandria Andrade, Megan Metzner, and AJ Adams. Special thanks to 88.3 KJRN and the Keen Church Media Team. You can find Elevate on Instagram at thisiselevatetx. For more about Elevate Community Fellowship, visit thisiselevate.org. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time at thisiselevate.org forward slash live. We'd love to have you join us. There's always room for one more.